Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Thanks for listening. And thanks to uh, Morgan, who uh, sent in a question, bought me a cup of coffee. He asked, what are the 10 woodworking books that influenced me? I am paraphrasing the question, but that's how I took it. What are the 10 books that, that made a difference to me? I can't do it. <laughs> I have to do 20. I came up with 20. So I will pare it down to 10. And uh, completely subjective. Uh, everyone's got uh, different favorites. But these are mine. And so I'll, uh, I'll go through my list and read from some of them. See what you think. But I, I think these books are essential in your library. I'm going to start at the top of the list. My favorite book, the one that influenced me the most, the one I turn to all the time, was The Encyclopedia of Furniture Making by Ernest Joyce. This is a British book. I don't know when it came out, 60s sometime. And there were a few photos in it. Some were fascinating. Others were just sort of pieces. But it was encyclopedic, hence the name, of course. But it covered all sorts of topics. Now, most of the book was words, and so sometimes short shrift given to to a topic. The one that I think of most is his reference to hand-cutting dovetails. And I never understood it. It took me years to figure it out, where he says, and make sure you don't bishop the joints. And I'm thinking, bishop the joints? What does he mean by that? Uh, Get hit upside the head by the bishop or get blessed by the bishop? I'm not sure what he meant by that. Years later, I'm looking at a hand plane, uh, an infield plane, which typically have uh, metal sides, sometimes all steel, sometimes steel and brass, that are dovetailed together, and they look perfect. Now, it's hard enough sawing wood. Sawing steel on a line is pretty tough, and we're talking about tools that were made in the 19th century. So there has to be some way of filling the gaps, and I realized that with metal, when you hit it, it will expand. And that's bishoping the joint. So those dovetails look perfect because you can pound on the metal and fill all the little gaps. And Ernest Joyce is suggesting that you should never do that with your dovetail, so now I know. It had all sorts of information on joinery, on gluing, on tools, um, it had a big impact on me when I was first starting because I knew nothing. And I had some books, and that was about it. There was no one around to teach me, so this book was, was pretty important to me. The other one, high up on this, uh, in this ranking, was a book by uh, Charles Hayward, Cabinet Making for Beginners. That was a big one. Woodworking Joints, another of his books, was, was also big, but Cabinet Making for Beginners started to show me, oh, you put things together this way, and you do this this way. And it was comprehensible. I could read it and get it, and I refer to it all the time. So those two in the, in the world of joinery were really important to me. Understanding Wood by Bruce Hoadley. Essential. Essential reading. This book you must read. If you're a woodworker, you must read this book. You don't have to read it twice. Just read it once, because it is pretty dry because he's a wood technologist and it is filled with information 
filled with information about wood, stuff about wood you never knew anyone had thought about. Bending strength and staining and cutting, uh, how to measure uh, how much movement you're going to get in a certain species of wood, a formula for that. Um, Just so much information about wood as a material. I know for me and maybe for many of you, buying lumber is at first kind of mysterious. You think, okay, well, it's here's a board and it's one inch. They cut them all at one inch. No, they don't. They cut them at five quarter or six quarter or, and they're rough cut or they're hit and miss or they're S2S and there's all this stuff in there. And Hoadley's book helped decipher some of the mysteries uh, surrounding wood. Such a Such a great book. Another in the realm of woodworking, but not specifically about wood, was Sharpening by Leonard Lee. I picked that book up much later on in my in my time as a woodworker. But he explained steel in a way that I had never seen before. And, and that's one of the things you recognize as you do more of this woodworking. And that is, you have to know about steel. You have to know about tools. In order to do the wood you have to know steel. It was a fascinating. Metallurgy is this huge topic, and he introduced me to it, and that I found really valuable. I had already taught myself how to sharpen, so that wasn't really what, what it was about for me, but understanding what happens when you get steel hot, what happens uh, when you temper it, what happens when you burn it. Uh, these are the things that uh, Leonard talked about in his book. That was, a, that was an important book. This is uh, Leonard Lee of Lee Valley Tools. And quite a good book on, uh, on sharpening. A book on finishing that I also found later in my career was a book by Jeff Jewett called Hand Applied Finishes. Now, Bob Flexner has a book out called Understanding Wood Finishing. Understanding Wood Finishes? One of the two. And it's a good book, uh, but Jeff's is Jeff's not on a mission to debunk myths, which is Flexner's approach. Jeff's mission is to tell you the information. And because he's not sniffed a lot of fumes uh, as a finisher, he's uh, he makes sense. So many of the finishing books that I got years ago just made no sense at all. This stain and wiping stains and pigment stains and dye stains and and varnishes and oils and shellac and lacquer and water-based, oil-based. The list goes on. Jeff narrowed it down, only hand-applied finishes, and made it make sense. So I, I, I really do like that book. We have a class coming up June 28th on uh, three simple finishes. I do have an understanding now and can pass that information along. It's all about the solvent. Where was I in my list? Encyclopedia Furniture Making, Cabinet Making for Beginners, Understanding Wood, Sharpening and Hand Applied Finishes. So that's five of them. From here, I, I kind of go uh, off a little bit away from the technical stuff onto, onto books that are of of interest and still informational. Um, one of them, wonderful book is A Reverence for Wood by Eric Sloan, 1965 it was it was published. 
and it's filled with information about wood and the old ways of, of using it and the ways of thinking about it and the way that uh, people thought about it in the early part of the 20th century. It's more homey and folkloric than uh, the Hoadley book, so there's more stories being told, and that makes it kind of fun. Here's a section on black locust. The story of Long Island's locust trees is of historic interest. The scraggly locust that looks like a dying tree even at its best during the summer is perhaps the only remaining sign of early Long Island farm days. Native to North America, the locust was brought from the Appalachians to Great Britain in the middle 1600s. There it was rejected as wood that splits easily, warps badly, and works with much difficulty. The English, however, adopted it as hedge or fence material because of its thorns. Long Island farmers had learned much about locusts from the British and began planting it first as low hedging and then left it to grow as fence post material. So well did Long Island become known for its locust trees that it soon suffered a shortage of all other timber. For a while, Long Island was swapping wood with a regular shipping lane across Long Island Sound, locusts going to the Connecticut shore and chestnut and pine coming back to the island. Pretty interesting stuff. Just stories about different woods and uh, just fascinating reading about wood and and he talks about the different varieties and uh, fun fun read. You must get this book. This one's essential. Hang on. This one is called Tools of the Trade, The Art and Craft of Carpentry by Jeff Taylor. And I don't know, it came out in 1995 or something. came out in 1996. And it's a series of essays about Jeff's apprenticeship as a carpenter's helper and then as a carpenter and and each chapter talks about a tool and he tells a story about it and it is wonderful just a wonderful read a wonderful book uh, I'm going to read it a little bit here are some of the chapters a sawhorse hammer tape rule transit hand square framing square drywall trowel pipe wrench, crowbar, draw knife, all, spirit level, and more. Let me read to you from uh, the framing square. The next morning I learned what a framing square could do, virtually anything according to Swanee, his mentor. His feeling for that tool obviously bordered on reverence, and my ignorant hands were not allowed to profane his black steel square. It was not just a tool for establishing a straight edge or a right angle. It was also a calculator, a slide rule with no moving parts. He tried to explain, speaking in fairly psychedelic language about the rafter tables, Southingtons versus Sargents, and the advantages of each, some prolonged gibberish about the Essex board measure, and there was a bit on using octagon scales to find simple angel-pinhead ratios and the location of the Titanic. I nodded like a trained horse. Soon we arrived at basic errors, my particular field of expertise. Swanee showed how the notch choppers, a couple of carpenters who were trying to build uh, wooden stairs and failed, had miscalculated the staircase's total horizontal distance or run, one of the magic words for operating a framing square. The other was rise, the total vertical distance. We laid out the first carriage, made the cuts, and set it in place. Swanee did, that is. I observed and helped move them. The result was, to use Swanee's idiom, a honeymoon fit. When the treads were installed, each riser was exactly the same height to prevent tripping. 
Staircase tolerances can vary by no more than an eighth of an inch. Swanee's cuts were probably closer than that. Afterward, he warned that his framing square was probably the most dangerous tool in carpentry. For one thing, a tiny mathematical error could ruin an expensive board. For another, he said, if I ever accidentally dropped his personal steel square, it might bend out of true, and then it would be his sad duty to kill me. I love this guy's writing. It's such a wonderful book. Get a copy. Tools of the Trade is, uh, is fantastic. I'll put this list up on our uh, Podient site. Uh, so if you go to the Podient, P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O website, there's uh, something for each podcast that I do. and Usually I don't put a lot of information there, but I'll put up this reading list there. So, Tools of the Trade. I must have. I must read. Wonderful book. There's a book I discovered, again, uh, years down the road that I refer to all the time when I'm uh, talking about uh, drawer construction or uh, chest construction. And that is a book called 18th Century Furniture Making by Jeff Green. And it's a beauty of a book. Some of the worst photography you're ever going to (laughs) see published There are some really bad out-of-focus photographs. But the exploded drawings of joinery of these are 18th century pieces are phenomenal. There's so much information. Fantastic drawings. And we're not talking sketch-up approximations of a joinery drawing. We're talking just dead-on. No numbers, but you can see with clarity how these pieces were put together. And then there's a photo of the piece and then a small description. Jeff's um, only failing in my mind is that he he abhors frame and panel construction and thinks it's it's somehow inferior to dovetailing that 24-inch wide board to a post that's 24 inches long, which, of course, will crack. And he's got a method for, for fixing that, supposedly. But that aside, it's a, it's a wonderful book, and he includes all sorts of, of interesting stuff, um, like how to get measurements from a photo and how to do inlay the 18th century away, and just a, just a compendious book on 18th century approaches, different uh, ball and claw feet and the different styles from different cities back in, in that time. So it's a wonderful book, and the exploded drawings on construction are just Second and none. I sort of want to include this. It's not a book. It's a magazine. And I became a subscriber at issue number two, and this is Fine Woodworking Magazine. I actually did find that that was as important a source of information as anything, any books that, that I read or uh, could find. There weren't that many books, really. And back then in the 80s, Taunton Press, the publisher of Fine Woodworking, was starting to produce books at maybe four or five a year, and now it's who knows how many they crank out. Some are good. <laughs> I know a couple that are good. Back back when I started, there was very little information that you could find. And so those those early issues, again, filled with words, very little on the uh, photographic side, just a couple of images, but filled with language. They were important to me. So I'm sort of including them. Let's narrow it down and say the first 100 issues. A book that 
was very influential for me and many others was A Cabinet Maker's Notebook by James Krenoff. I think he did more to help and harm woodworkers uh, across the board because he romanticized things. Uh, that's the harm, I think. Uh, it was only in his second or third book that he gives props to his wife for keeping him alive and supporting him. But his approach was marvelous to witness and drink in because it sort of spoke to many people at the time of this um, connection with wood as a material and connection with tools. So he had a big influence on me, but he made me slow down when I needed to speed up. So for a hobbyist or someone who had a spouse with a good paying job, the perfect book. And finally, this book has absolutely nothing to do with woodworking. But I found it really useful in my design work. And that's a book by Betty Edwards called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. It proves that you, yeah, you, you knucklehead, you, you can't draw. Ah, yes, you can. Because she shows you that, and she showed me because I couldn't draw, or so I thought, that drawing is not about your hand. Drawing is about seeing. The analogy I make is to uh, swimming. When I was taught to swim, I was taught the Catholic method. I was thrown in the pool and they told me, swim across. No information, no, no help. Um, so he tried not to drown. But once I learned that swimming was about breathing, then I could do any number of strokes. Once I could put my head in the water and blow out, get rid of that carbon dioxide, then I was fine. Drawing is about seeing what's actually in front of you, not translating it into a symbol. And she goes through lots of exercises to help you with that. And it always helped my design work because the translation from idea to actual piece is really important. You come up with this great idea, well, what does it look like? And a drawing is a way of describing the work to not just a client, but to yourself. This is what I'm thinking. And the more facile I became with the pencil, the better my design work became, in my opinion. Before that time, it was, it was hit and miss. It was luck. Maybe I got it right, maybe I didn't. Maybe the French curve could give me the, the shape I wanted, maybe it couldn't. This book by Betty Edwards, I just found... Uh, enormously important. I'm going to go over. I'm Yeah, I'm probably up at 12 now because in the world of design, and there aren't many good design books that I've seen, David Pye's book, The Nature and Aesthetics of Design, is one that is worth reading. Uh, he talks about the importance of failure. He talks about um, form following failure, not following function. It's a, it's a wonderful book that gives a, a nice overview of design without being specific about furniture, uh, although he is a woodworker, a woodturner. I always liked his discussion of a workmanship of risk versus workmanship of certainty, and, and that certainty comes from a machine. So you have a machine that's going to do the same, same job over and over and over again. And that sameness, that regularity, is efficiency and... Uh, allows for production, and that's wonderful in its own way, but the hand and the hand on the tool is inefficient and 
unpredictable, and that's what makes it, I can think of no other word but charming, and that's what makes handmade furniture so great. My neighbor Vern has just uh, finished a set of six chairs, and they're all built with the same jigs, and he pointed out, he said, they're all, they all are supposed to be the same, but each one is different. Wood's different, it takes stain different, it cuts different. You have to tweak this one, you didn't have to tweak that one. And that workmanship of risk is what makes uh, being at the bench so rewarding when it, when it works. I mean, sometimes you fail, but you learn from those failures and get better at uh, taking those chances. That's, that's fun stuff. Well, those are the books that I found uh, particularly inspiring and useful, uh, filled with information, some and some just filled with ideas. Uh, there are many more that one could point to, but that's, that's what I came up with. Anyway, let me recap the list for you. The Encyclopedia of Furniture Making by Ernest Joyce. Cabinet Making for Beginners, Charles Hayward. Understanding Wood, Bruce Hoadley. Sharpening by Leonard Lee. Hand Applied Finishes by Jeff Jewett. Tools of the Trade, Jeff Taylor. A Reverence for Wood, Eric Sloan. A Cabinet Maker's Notebook by James Karnov. 18th Century Furniture Making by Jeffrey Green. Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. And then I stuck in another one. The Nature and Aesthetics of Design by David Pye. So, hey, a fat 10, 11. Thanks for listening. Please check out our website at northwestwoodworking.com. If you want to pose a question to me, go to the website and buy me a coffee and uh, drop me a line. I'd be happy to answer your questions. As I mentioned earlier, we have a finishing class, a three-day finishing class called Three Simple Finishes coming up June 28th at the studio. Come and join us. Gonna be fun. Thanks again for listening. Be good to yourselves. Get to the bench. Build something. Take care. Bye-bye.